Let's go! The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go. Three o'clock hour. If you missed it, we started at two today. World Series coming up at five right here on ESPN Las Vegas. 100.9 FM and 1100 is your home today for the World Series. So we'll be cutting out here at five, but plenty to get to. We're about 15 minutes away from NFL Insider from Pro Football Talk. Miles Simmons, it's Cofield, it's Candy, frenzy time. So, Candy, let's continue on what Colin Cowherd was saying over on our sister station. Fox Sports Las Vegas, he was talking about the USC job, and he thinks that a coach with pro experience is better suited than a coach with college experience. Um, he did mention James Franklin in the convo. We'll get to Franklin here in just a few. So Coward threw out the name of Mike Tomlin. Uh, he did that yesterday. Mike Tomlin was at his press conference today. Hey, Mike, what do you think about the USC job? What do you think about a college job? Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay. Candy, your reaction to Mike Tomlin, in my mind, just completely botching that answer. Uh, that answer tells me that Mike Tomlin is going to be the next head coach of USC. <laughs> Was that Nick Saban like, right? Well, all, all I'm saying is, yeah. anytime you hear a coach say, no, never, it won't happen, you probably should be inferring the opposite. Now, I will give Mike Tomlin a little bit more credit than that with someone who has established the reputation and credibility that Mike Tomlin has. You probably should buy the never because why on earth would you leave that job for a minefield like USC? But if I'm just running it through the coach speak filter, yeah, fight on. Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. All right. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? Andy Reid is uh, 60 with a weight issue and maybe retiring soon, Mike. And I be, I'll be honest, I've, I, don't, I wouldn't trust Sean Payton with a, a gig like that for other reasons. Um, so here's my question, Mike. First of all, as I just said to Candy a minute ago, Tomlin completely botched that if he doesn't keep things open. Um, Mike, why do you think the Steelers' job is so tremendous? Your franchise quarterback is gone. You guys don't have a game plan for the next guy. If you don't win, if this year crumbles, you lose the next two years, you're going to be pushed out. That's about as far as loyalty is extended in the National Football League. So what makes you think that you are guaranteed anything from the Steeler fan base, the Steeler media, and the Steeler organization that you shouldn't at least listen to other people and gain some leverage with your bosses? Go ahead, Mike. Okay, was that question out of line? Because I, I think all of those things are fair. Candy, he does not have job security after Big Ben, he's got some equity. If they suck and they win six games a year, 
for the next couple of years. He's just like any other coach. And by the way, his contract is only through 2024. And when I talk about leverage, this dude makes somewhere between six and seven million dollars a year. He should be making 12. He should have a Gruden-like contract. He's not even 50 yet. Now, maybe it's his choice that he goes with short-term contracts because that's what he's always done. But, I, I mean, listen, I understand trying to make a strong statement, and that's great for Steeler Nation. Watch how Steeler Nation treats you if you wind up going, you know, 4 and 7 the rest of this year and 5 and 12 each of the next two years. If you think that Steve, uh, that Mike Tomlin would be let go from that job and on the street for more than 30 seconds, then I don't know where you're getting the impression from. Because Mike Tomlin, if the Steelers' ownership pushed him out, will have the better part of 29 other teams lining up to make him their next head coach and pay him whatever he wants. Now, does he want to leave Pittsburgh? No. And do I think that ownership group would give him only a couple of six-win seasons before they let him go? No, because the Roonies come from the same tree as the Maras, and the Maras hate changing head coaches. The Maras let Tom Coughlin suffer through a number of bad years before they finally moved on from him. And yes, now that the kids are in charge, it's turned into more of a revolving door in New York. But John Mara was just out there yesterday saying his faith hasn't wavered in Joe Judge. In Joe Judge, who has had a terrible time of it, who has nothing of the credibility of Mike Tomlin. So shutting the door, maybe bad leverage, maybe doesn't put him in the position to make the most money in the NFL. But the idea that Mike Tomlin somehow is going to end up on a hot seat, and even if he does, that he's going to be on the street for more than a minute just doesn't work. Well, if you love the Steelers so much, I, then I would use the leverage and make sure that I have eight years guaranteed coming up. Because he is going to have to go through a rebuild. I don't know whose decision it was to keep Big Ben around, but to me, they wasted a year in trying to locate their next quarterback. Now here, this, this you know what? I've said this all along because I think they're in big trouble. Maybe they know something we don't, and the grand plan involves getting a great franchise quarterback. We'll, I'll build on – again, I keep building on stuff. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour. Let me give you the last thing here from Cowherd on the USC job and pro-coaching candidates and other people who are interesting. Los Angeles' economy is a large part of that that drives it. Translation. People got second homes. People got stuff to do. A lot of those boosters, they're not sticking around town if you're not fascinating. They're going to go to the pro games. They're going to go to their mountain homes, their lake home. They're not going to stick around. This, this, this city right now is wildly distracted. There's a lot of money, a lot of stuff to do, a lot of projects, two NFL, Dodgers never been better, Clippers now good, soccer team in town. Forget the mountains and the beach, which have always been a distraction. Mike Tomlin cuts through. Mike Tomlin cuts through. Now, I called the USC athletic director a month ago, and I said strongly, I said, I would go pro. And I made my argument. There you go. So I'm guessing that they're probably going to listen and Cowherd's going to get someone he wants. Um, I, you know what? I hope, I hope after all this, I hope it is floated out there that uh, you remember Matt Campbell was offered, was it 70 mil for seven years? Whatever it was. It was a massive contract for a guy who's not Mike Tomlin. I really hope USC throws out there. Uh, yeah, we offered uh, through intermediaries uh, Mike Tomlin 10 years and $120 million. <laughs> so. I don't know, man. I get your point on Tomlin, that he loves Pittsburgh. I get your point that he's almost guaranteed to have another great job if the Steelers and their fans were dumb enough to push him out. I just I don't think he played that well. What about on the USC angle, that they have to get a superstar? 
that they have to get sizzle. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It doesn't attract attention. Oh, man. Now we got something we can weigh in on because we know a lot about this, Steve Cofield. We've been having this discussion for decades in Las Vegas. We have a program here mm-hmm. that everybody always wants sizzle. They want a big name. They want someone to live up to the brand. They want someone to restore the past glory. Oh, we can talk about USC football's head coach and who it should be because UNLV running Rebel Basketball has been playing this same game for a long time. USC still has a lot of money. Private school. They've got the facilities. They've got the backers. And I hear Colin Coward when he says people aren't paying attention if you aren't good. Okay. Mike Tomlin's not the only one who can make you good. And maybe you don't want to bring in another name like a Clay Helton that doesn't move the needle for anybody. So if that's what you want to do, if you want to cut through the noise with a name that everybody knows, sure, that's going to give you the first couple of years. And then what? They still have to recruit. They still have to compete with UCLA and the fact that Chip Kelly appears to have some idea this year. So what is it that USC thinks it can do to sustain that program? Yeah, Mike Tomlin would be great. He ain't leaving. And if USC wants to put out there that Mike Tomlin turned down 10 years and $120 million, you know who looks like jackasses? USC. Because they're the ones who couldn't (laughs) give a guy $12 million to come be the head coach. I have no problem being shamed with $120 million offer. So, and, and I'll tell you what, in college football, uh, I think it's a means to an end. I think it serves a purpose. I would offer every elite coach some ridiculous deal that I almost know they're going to turn down just to freaking turn the screws on those rival programs if you really think you are a top 10 program. So, hey, everyone out there needs a job. Offer Dabo Sweeney over $100 million. Let's see what he does. Offer Saban over $100 million. Let's do it. I think to me, it's part of the game. Offer James Franklin over $100 million. Hey, Penn State either wants him and they pay up or he leaves. To me, that, that's part of the game now. And I'll tell you the other thing that's I think is interesting. When you're a when you're a coach, Candy, whether you're in the NFL, an NFL coach, or a college coach, aren't aren't you serving your family and then your your future families, whatever, um, future generations? by really taking a hard look at massive money jobs because of the buyouts that are available. Like you were saying earlier, you know, it's it's drama when you go somewhere like to USC. Yeah, you know what? If I get some massive deal and the buyout is $25 million, all right, if it doesn't work after four years, eh, maybe a little blow to my reputation. Guess what? I'm going to get a job somewhere else. I may as well cash in on this stupidity across college football where these dumbasses are begging coaches and giving them these buyouts. Well, don't every... Does every college coach think they deserve that, though? That's the whole way the culture is set up. It's not just about the money. It's not just about, can I go get paid? It's about, where can I be the biggest god of all? Where can I be respected and feared more than anybody? Isn't that why Urban Meyer is struggling in Jacksonville? Isn't that why Big Herb can't handle the fact that the players have some power? That he can't just do whatever he wants and stay behind instead of taking the team plane home? That's what they want. They want fear and respect as much as they want money. So go ahead. You want to go get it at USC? That's fine. But there's a pitfall. There is a drop-off once that happens. 
because once you're gone from there and once you don't succeed there, you better be happy with that money getting you a Cliff Kingsbury or Sean McVay house because the next job ain't going to look anything like USC. USC offer Bill Belichick right now. Five years, $200 million. Make Kraft pay. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Because I ain't playing, so I had a three shot minimum today. <laughs> so I'm feeling real good. So I took one for me, I took one for big breath, and I got one for little breath. I'm honored. Yeah. Thank, you for, thank you for that tribute. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I was looking out. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Marshawn Lynch throwing him back before the Manning cast. Yeah, why not, right? No FCC rules on that one. Candy Cofield. Ari's here. There's a lot of offended people on the show today. We're getting very worked up. Uh, after that last portion of the show, Candy saw me on our little in-house camera system. I did throw my headsets across the room because he has constantly disagreed with me today. It's getting ugly in here, Miles. How are you? Miles Simmons is with us. What's up, buddy? Oh, well, I'm just here to continue to disagree, I guess. Well, we'll see. Great. We'll see. This is not contrived. We don't embrace debate. We're not making it up. But I do, I do <laughs> have to get your opinion on a bunch of breaking stories today uh well it's not really a breaking story um i was actually ripping mike tomlin a little bit for closing the door on leverage for money from the steelers i understand what he was doing but uh what do you think of him basically saying stop asking me about college jobs my job is great um i i agreed with him first of all i mean because that was the thing that i really thought of when i saw that carson palmer thing come up yesterday was like in, on what planet is USC or LSU a better job than the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have only had three head coaches uh, since nineteen what sixty nine or whatever it's been? I, I, mean, like, I, I will I will answer that real quick though. What if it's the double my pay planet? No, I I mean yeah maybe then like the Steelers would I guess give him a race. We don't even really know what he's making. And frankly, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I don't want to have to recruit children have to go in people's living rooms and sit down and say yeah this is why we should no like you have that are you you're the pittsburgh steelers yeah, but that's wait, the only wait, thing you, you need almost, to advertise you, you almost slipped there you almost slipped there he had that didn't he what what do you mean with antonio brown and Le'Veon bell like it's like it's much better when when you're dealing with guys like that they they were children he's had to deal with this stuff most of the time in pits and then freaking petulant out of control off the field big ben my gosh, I guess I opened the vein here, huh? <laughs> yeah. Holy it. smokes. I mean, I know what it's like to deal with Antonio Brown. Nobody knows what it's like to deal with Antonio Brown and the media better than me. And you know, I'm getting text messages at like 630 in the morning saying, wake up, Miles. Wake up, Miles. Uh, Antonio Brown's done something else. Don't make me, you know, live that again. Mm. It's September 2019. That was awful. So, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, those two dudes, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and I always think about how the good job he did of keeping that team together and keeping them competitive through those two knuckleheads doing what they were doing. Right? So, like, I still think that that's a very different thing than going on recruiting trips and having to do and having to make everything about recruiting. That's not something that he does. And frankly, again, he's got one of the best jobs, as he said, in all professional sports. Why in the world would you want to leave that? That's not like, no. Just because, oh, no, we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do at quarterback? You think that the Roonies don't have faith in 
Mike Tomlin for what he can do. The man's never had a losing season, and he's been in the in uh, the head coach of that team since the Bush administration. Hey, come on, <laughs> like, there's no there's no there's no reason to think about him being a college coach. Although, like, here's the thing: like, we had to go through this in some way, right? Because people started mentioning his name for college openings, especially at USC and like Carson Palmer directly did that yesterday on the Dan Patrick show. So media's not doing their job if they don't ask him about it. And he gets to address it any way he wants. He could have been like uh, Urban Meyer and sat there and, you know, just said like, no, I'm not really interested. Or he could have done the thing that he did, which was very Mike Tomlin and he's very emphatic. And he's like, I'm not, this is ridiculous. It's a joke to me. Don't ask me about this. This is stupid. So I, so everybody's doing their job in the way that they're going to do it. And, you know, I, I, I thought it was a very, very funny kind of deal, but it was also something that you don't necessarily always take head coaches seriously in press conferences, but I'm taking him seriously in this one. Cause again, there's no, there's no planet where that those two jobs are better than the job that he has. And I understand what you're saying about doubling the pay, but no, it's not happening. I also miles think it's insulting to a coach with multiple Super Bowls who was 11 no at one point last year to suggest he would go to USC (laughs) of all places. If Saban retires and you want to ask him if he's going to Alabama, then maybe I'll listen to the question because now you're talking about the premier program in the country and at least it makes sense. USC? You think that the level of coach who's going to follow Clay Helton is Mike Tomlin? I I mean, get out of here. Just, just get out of here with all. I, I, I don't know. You know what? We shouldn't ask him again. We shouldn't ask you again. No, 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 no. Oh, here he comes again. No, I have one more. Back the slicing machine. This is, this is very, this is important. Mike Tomlin at the end of his comment said, "Hey, you don't ask Sean Payton, and you don't ask Andy Reid about this. What do you think he was referencing? Referencing there, and was it was he going down a racial path? I'm actually not sure. Because I mean, I get, I think." He was comparing himself to two head coaches who basically have the same level of accomplishment okay. that he has, right? They guys who have won a Super Bowl and have had decent amounts of success. I mean, you know, I said somebody in my mentions today being like, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are irrelevant. They haven't done anything since 2011. It's like, all right, well, either is Sean Payton. You know, like Sean Payton went to one Super Bowl in 2009. And he's been to one conference championship since, unless I'm wrong about that. But in, you know, the Rams beat them in that um, game to go to Super Bowl. So, like, I think that he's comparing himself to those people. And I think the other part of it was, like, you don't ask those coaches who have had that much success if they would take a step down and go to college. And I think it was more... And I don't know Mike Tomlin personally, and so I I don't necessarily want to put words in his mouth. But the way I took it watching it was those guys aren't getting mentioned in stupid college jobs that they would never take, and I am. So it's less about the question to me and more about the rumor in and of itself. Because I think Mike Tomlin, again, he's been doing this since 07. He knows what's going to get asked in press conferences. He's been doing this long enough to know that if your name gets mentioned in a, a rumor for, I mean, I agree that USC is not a premier program anymore. It should be, but it's not. LSU to me makes a little bit more sense because at least, you know, that's a place that's won national championships in recent memory. Um, they, if you're talking about those program, if you're talking about an SEC program, it's one thing, but if you're talking about such a step down, it's like, well, 
those guys aren't getting mentioned in those things. Like, why would why would you even mention my name in that? Why would I do that? It's a silliness. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily. Maybe it is more racial than it. Um, maybe it is racial. I don't know. But you know, it, it's hard for me to put words in Mike Tomlin's mouth. Um, but yeah, I, I think the whole premise of it is just something that, like, once somebody mentions the name, then yeah, we've got to go through sort of the song and dance of asking about it. Otherwise, people aren't doing their jobs. Let, let me defend one thing here for Mike Tomlin and one small thing for Sean Payton before we move on. The Payton thing, I'll just say Nikel Roby Coleman pass interference. They should have been in the Super Bowl. Uh, but when it comes there, to... there was an entire overtime period, and I maybe that's true, but you know, I'm gonna defend that. <laughs> Until, until I die, because I was working for the Rams then, and that's how I got to go to the Super Bowl. So, well, I'm glad Too you got bad. to go. I'm glad you got to go to the Super Bowl. Congratulations <laughs> to you. There's um, a picture of me that I have hugging to kill Roby Coleman in the locker room yeah. after that game. It's one of my favorite pictures of all time. That is an ultimate troll job that you should use anytime <laughs> you can. Uh, when it comes to Tomlin, though, let me. My take on the part about was the comment racial. There aren't enough other black head coaches in the NFL for it to be racial. Who who is it that he was pointing out? Right? Like you can't you can't point to other coaches and, and say, well, it, is it racial or not? He's got David Cully. That's pretty much it right now. So, you know, what else is he gonna do? Like you can't really uh you can't really put that on him. So uh, let me ask you about one of the head coaches, Miles, that he did. Well, talk oh, about. to the point though, like it's almost like Yes, you're right that there's not enough minority coaches, right? But you have the one that is active and has won a Super Bowl, and I hope I am not forgetting anybody else. I don't think I could be because, right, like that, the one that's won a Super Bowl, you have a Super Bowl winning coach, somebody who 30, maybe not 30, but like let's call it 25 other teams would probably line up to, to ask Mike Tomlin to be their head coach in the NFL, if he were fired today and it's like the perception of college is that oh well you know somebody if if mike tomlin were not interested in being the steelers coach anymore then he of course would have to go to college because nobody else would be interested in him and that's flatly not true so it's like would you say that same thing about sean payton i don't know i i think that maybe somebody would like i don't it's funny because you lsu's job is open and nobody's mentioned sean payton in that so i guess that also sort of works in mike tomlin's favor but you can go ahead with whatever next question you were asking. Sorry, cut you off. Go ahead, Candy. Or you want me to take over? Uh, no, I think uh, Miles covered it pretty well. Go for it. Miles Simmons, PFT, is with us. All right, we got some language issues. We got some language issues. Is Tony Romo going to be suspended or fired for what he thought was a joke about Giselle Bungeon? Well, I don't think you should have made the joke generally. You know, I mean, everybody got all up in arms. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, about what Brent Musburger said. You know, in the national championship or the Sugar Bowl, whatever it was, with AJ McCarron's then girlfriend, and now it's his wife, unless they've gotten divorced. And I, whatever. But they, the whole thing about Brent Musburger was, oh my gosh, how could he say something like this? And all he was doing was saying that, you know, she was a beautiful woman and that maybe it came off a little old man creepy, whatever. But like he said, like, oh man, go throw the, the throw the pigskin in the backyard so that, you know, you end up dating the beautiful woman, which is like, it's very anodyne and like benign compared to what Romo said, which is effectively like, oh, somebody should ask for a night with his wife. Like, that's ridiculous. That's, a, that's prostitution. Like, no, that's not how that stuff works. So I don't know if uh, Romo is going to get, you know, really uh, poorly or really badly reprimanded, you know, publicly at least. But I think that 
you probably should issue some sort of apology because you really shouldn't say things like that. I mean, it's 2021, guys. Like, we, we can, we can, you know, respect women when we're commentating on football games. So that was, I mean, it's just, it's extremely inappropriate at best. John Gruden has gone from the NFL because of a series of emails with insensitive comments, and he, he, he you know, they ran the gamut. Uh, Texans owner, nepotism, mm, Bob McNair's son, uh-huh. Cal McNair, this is out now, uh, back at a golf tournament in May. He's addressing a crowd of about 100 people. He finishes off his remarks, Cal McNair, the owner of the Texans, quote, I'm sorry we couldn't get together last year because of the China virus. The crowd gasped, uh, according to reports. Uh, he and his wife Smirk, they thought it was funny. Is Cal McNair going to be forced to sell the Texans? Not for that, but, uh, I mean, it's not like, well, I'll put it this way. The apple doesn't fall very far from the tree when you consider what his father was saying about inmates running the asylum uh, before he passed away. So, I mean, I don't think that that one comment's going to get him um, uh, banned you know, or making because that doesn't think about like what they did, what happened to happen for Jerry Richardson to um, be forced to sell his team with the Carolina Panthers, right? It's it's not just one thing; it's it's examples of systemic terrible behavior. And considering that the president, uh, the former president, I should make sure I say, it, used to call coronavirus what Cal McNair referred to it as, it's I don't see him being expelled for that. Miles Simmons, ProFootballTalk.com is up with Cofield and company. What'd you make of uh, Lil Shanny, Kyle Shanahan, his response? Yeah, well, that's my nickname for him, Lil Shanny. His response to, hey, coach, is Jimmy G going to be your quarterback this week? And he says, "Uh, I'd guess so. What is going going on here? Wasn't that right after the game, a a game where Jimmy Garoppolo played like pretty poorly? I mean, like, it's it's funny that, you know, we, we talk to coaches and everything and players right after games and they're emotional about it. And, yeah, I, I understand with Kyle Shanahan why he would probably feel less than enthusiastic about starting Jimmy Garoppolo again after the performance that he just put out there against the Indianapolis Colts. Like, that was a game that they should have won. But you couldn't trust your quarterback to basically do anything. And, frankly, it's kind of the way that they got to the Super Bowl in 2019 was – uh, you know, we're going to run the hell out of the football and maybe we'll have Jimmy Garoppolo throw it a couple times. And, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo hits that deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders, maybe we're talking about him as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Although that year, Patrick Mahomes, the way that everything was magically working for them, he probably would have been able to go down the field and score anyway. So I, I, I just feel like there's a reason why they drafted Trey Lance at number three overall. And maybe they would like Trey Lance to progress a little bit quicker than he has. I mean, he was just, I, you know, in that start that he had against the Arizona Cardinals, but now he's hurt. And so you can't necessarily just bench Jimmy Garoppolo because you don't really have anybody to properly replace him. So given all of those things, it's not uh, the most surprising thing to me that Jimmy Garoppolo did not get the most ringing endorsement from his head coach. I want to get you a Christmas gift. I'm going to spoil it. You know, you do, you do such a great job in Cofield Company all year long. Um, I'm going to get you a ticket. Uh, would you want yes or no, minus 110 both ways, Raiders make the playoffs? Where should I put your money? Oh, no. I Listen, I've been saying the Raiders are going to make the playoffs since the beginning. Okay. I, I mean, I said you can go, you can look it up on PFT. I said that they would be one of the seven playoff seeds. 
Um, and, you know, I thought that this past game was going to be a big test for them, right? Like, you already had the emotional lift of, I guess, getting rid of John Gruden and Basachi taking over. And, you know, we have all of that stuff behind us and we can focus on us when we go to Denver. So you've done that once. And I was curious to see, is that lift going to last? And it clearly did. I mean, not only that, it probably got better, right? I mean, you have Derek Carr throwing only a couple incompletions and one of them it goes off his running back's hands and into the arms of a defender it is an interception like Derek Carr is playing as well as he's ever played in his career I think the way he and Ole right now are, are functioning as offensive coordinator and play caller and quarterback is at a really really high level and you know as teams get more film on the Raiders with Ole as a play caller instead of John Gruden yeah they'll probably adjust a little bit more but this team I thought has been set up to go to the playoffs from the beginning and now it seems like they're really hitting their stride and I don't want to do the thing where it's like oh Gruden was holding them back because that's not true I think they've been playing like this for most of the season it's not like they didn't go to Pittsburgh early on and beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh right Gruden was still there for that um but I, I think that right now you see that maybe they're starting to hit their stride a little bit more and they've started well the last couple of years I and mean, you look at what they did in 19 they had a big opportunity and they lulued all over themselves against <laughs> the jets and then uh, the chiefs you have sort of the same thing last year where they go to atlanta and then they lulu all over their leg there too so can they keep it up is the question that they have to answer bye week comes at a good time so you get a little bit healthy especially with darren waller obviously you want him out there even though foster moreau played really well but if they can do all of those things maybe Basachi has been kind of that missing link where you have that calm steadiness at the top as opposed to man, the more frenetic chucky nature of john gruden miles great job everyone out there follow miles read his stuff on profootballtalk.com uh, right now today stories include the uh, tomlin comments about the browns offensive identity von miller injury updates you're the man we appreciate the back and forth thank you thank you guys talk to you next week there he is miles simmons miles a simmons up on twitter stick around cofield and company returns in minutes in the finley toyota studios uh look you're gonna get your song out of me thank you but uh by the uh, by the loonies, they made a song called "I'm a Raider," and he say from the Bay to LA to Las Vegas, I'm a Raider. Raiders been in the Bay, Raiders been in LA, and they came home to Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Good football talk today. Weird stuff as well. We'll see if there's more updates on the Texans owner, Cal McNair, now getting himself in hot water with a language violation. The world of language violations. Halfway point of the show, 5 o'clock is when the World Series game number one comes on here on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Candy is here as the company. It's Steve Cofield. Uh, I know I'm going on and on about the job stuff, but I really I do think, Candy, it's going to be fascinating with, especially on the, the college level, if you potentially have Nebraska open, Miami, LSU, and USC, the bidding war that could go down for certain coaches. There's going to be big money out there, and James Franklin was ruffling some feathers of folks. He's the Penn State coach, and he will not say, I'm not interested in any other job. I'm not leaving Penn State. Um, keep in mind, he just signed in recent times with a new agent at CAA. He addressed 
the job speculation elsewhere by simply saying something to the effect of, I'm concentrating on this game and I'm concentrating on this program right now. Uh, is he wrong not to throw out some, you know, Mike Tomlin like, never, never, never? Of course not. Because James Franklin doesn't have the resume and credibility built up that Mike Tomlin does. He's the head coach of a program that just a decade ago, we wondered whether Penn State would ever be a national power again. We wondered whether Penn State was dead and buried with Jerry Sandusky and Joe Paterno. So he's built Penn State with Bill O'Brien's help before him back into a pretty big power. But if you're James Franklin, you're you telling me you wouldn't go to USC? You wouldn't leave Penn State to go to USC? You wouldn't leave for that big raise to go to LSU? Absolutely you would. And I don't think that should be a question whatsoever. And I don't have any problem with the way he answered the question because this is the way college coaches play the game. And if the salaries are going to be what the salaries are going to be, then they absolutely should. Because you want to talk about a place, you said earlier, if Tomlin had a couple of six-win seasons, he'd be out. If James Franklin (laughs) has a couple of five or six-win seasons, he will be on the street. There's no question about that. So absolutely, he should leverage it for everything it's worth. Uh, One of my buddies, Brandon Tierney, he's been on the show before, but uh, he works for CBS National doing uh, Tiki and Tierney. He was kind of poking fun at Franklin because I guess Franklin, the last couple of press conferences, has screwed up some references to who he's playing, who they played. Like, And uh, Tierney joked that the dude is absolutely locked in. Lay the points. Uh, Have you looked at Penn State, Ohio State at 18 and a half yet? No, and I don't think the focus of the head coach should really be the question when it comes down to Penn State. I think it should be, do you trust the Nittany Lions going against C.J. Stroud when it kind of looks like the Buckeyes and Stroud are starting to figure it out? Uh, I don't think that's any reason to consider betting on this game. So Franklin, you think, is focused? He'll be good. Does it matter? I agree. Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, by the time they get it, out on the field, what does it matter? James Franklin's not running routes. Eh? He's not throwing passes. Well, a week of prep, but I, I did bet Penn State, so I already bet him yesterday. I think that line's way too big, and um, Penn State's coming off a horrific game against Illinois. I mean, if there's any way to reset focus with your team, it's losing to a Brett Bielema run squad. That is not good. In nine overtimes. In nine overtimes. Although we used every two point play that we have in the book, and we still couldn't win. Get it together, guys. Play competitively against Ohio State. All right, we'll check in uh, back with the Raiders and get the take of someone who's working the sidelines from Fox, Lindsey Zarniak. We're trying to track her down to talk some uh, Raiders and Philly and looking ahead with the Raiders. And we will ask her about the Romo joke that he's in a lot of hot water over. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Adam Candy's here. It's Cofield. Ari alongside Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Candy, I wanted to get your reaction. It's early on in the story, but, uh, you know, I mentioned to Miles Simmons about one Cal McNair. We just went through a couple of weeks with the Raiders and Gruden and offensive remarks, lots of them, and we think Gruden was forced out by the league. Boy, oh, boy, how do they handle an owner now in Cal McNair? What are they going to do? How have they handled Daniel Snyder is the real question. <laughs> right. Because Daniel Snyder has a track record much longer than Cal McNair of offending and racism, misogyny. P- take your pick. And the owner fraternity, 
continues to defend Daniel Snyder yeah. and pretend like nothing's going wrong there with Washington. So I don't think that repeating a comment from conservative talk radio by Cal McNair is going to get him any sort of punishment. But in a way, that one comment does reflect on a couple of things that Gruden said, right? That people got mad about. Right? How are you comparing the China virus to Gruden and his comments, whether it's about Damara Smith or Kaepernick and the uh, Kaepernick and the anthem? Okay, right. I mean, um, it's, it's it's along the same line in you know in that whole world of of talking points. Um, let me uh, let me transition here real quick. Is uh, let's get into the Raiders game. Let's get into what uh, folks who were at the game on the sidelines saw, and then we got a couple other important issues around the NFL to get to. Lindsey Zarniak is a sideline reporter broadcaster for Fox, and she's up with Steve and Adam here in Las Vegas. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm great. I'm great. I apologize. We're having crazy storms out here. I'm in Connecticut, and uh, it's been nutty. Hey, we appreciate you making it in. I Very <laughs> much so. All right, so uh, I want to get your impression. We've all seen the stadium. We've all felt the vibe around these Las Vegas Raiders. So give me your impression of you know the Raiders and that stadium. I almost peed my pants. What? I I'm serious. I I sat down because I was finalizing something on a note. I was writing it. I looked up in time to watch that video. That is the pregame video, and I have never seen anything like it. And I literally, honestly, I just got chills saying it because when they have that, what is it? Is it a? It's a football. I guess it's a helmet, but whatever it is, breaking through the concrete. Like I, I felt like I was in Game of Thrones, and I love. I am just, I, everyone that has asked me that question, like in my family, since I've been back, I would want to play in Las Vegas if I were a player because, not because of the outside stuff, but that stadium is so awesome. And I just think it's a great, you know, it's a great um, backdrop for the fans. And the fans, they seem like the different Raiders fans of old, right? They're just hmm. more, they're engaged, they're fun, they're like, they're not so rabid. Maybe they are, but it's like in a different, it presents itself differently. So I just thought it was incredible. And honestly, my, um, my perception of that team is that this is a really unique slash special time for them that I, I don't know. It's what I saw and what I heard leading up to the game. It seems pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say, first of all, um, you have to be here in Vegas to see how we do major league sports, because uh, for anyone who yeah. hasn't covered the golden Knights, the golden Knights, I mean, their, their pregame festivities are unbelievable to the point where, NHL fans around the country and in Canada hate us. They're like, enough of this. Enough of all the pomp and circumstance. Just play hockey. And I and I knew from the get-go the Raiders were going to have to match the Golden Knights. But I, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Not that I'm like Chamber of Commerce guy, but I love Vegas. But yeah. like, we can have fun at sporting events. You can have well, freaking over-the-top festivities. It's cool. Yeah, so I was there when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. And mm-hmm. I, I know. So I know that's not a good memory for y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it was... That you're right. Like that's what I saw. That I was only there for Game Five of that series, which is why that was the um, that was the time. It was I just that was epic. But then, yeah, you know, the thing about being at Allegiant, it was like I was there last year, and I was on the sidelines when there were no fans, and it was still awesome. I mean, it was beautiful. It was you know the the um, pregame pomp and circumstance was cool, but to be there with fans was just just felt so different. Also, the thing that I loved is. These opposing teams travel well here, obviously, because fans, a lot of fans making it a weekend. And I just felt like that was cool to see. And it was like it was electric in there. And there was one point where someone made a huge play on the Raiders. But I literally, I I was looking up because I'm like, you could almost, it almost felt 50-50. And I know sometimes that's not positive for the Raiders. But 
it's really cool when you're in there covering a game and it's got to be, it, it's got to like give a little competitive edge as well, you know, at least. Lindsay Zarniak yeah. uh, You seem to suggest that like, you, you felt a vibe around the team, though. It's been a really interesting two weeks, and yeah. and a lot of us here are glad that with all the Gruden stuff coming out, this team could have just freaking fallen apart and it could have been a disaster. But they've come together and they've played great football. Yeah, and I think that they, um, you know, like it's, no, it's not a shock that having a fresh voice sometimes, even when it's an unexpected change, I think can help. It's sort of like a change that you don't realize that, would benefit the team, but it definitely does. So to me, Basaccia said to us out of the gate, he was like, this is, you know, we last week wasn't the hard week, meaning that win against Denver. He's like, that was something that they almost expected to come together to, you know, rally, play for each other, whatever. He said this week, meaning last Sunday, is, um, is going to be the week that really can we string it together? Can we get consistency? And I just see, like, first of all, Watching the Eagles come out and score on their first drive, I was like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. But the way that Carr carries himself and the control he has and also just the connection and the trust factor and the timing of that now with Ruggs and the other receivers, this is like a perfect storm of change that I feel like is only at this point going to benefit him. But the thing that we heard, because all of us came out of the meeting, there are, you know, our crew meeting where we got to talk to some coaches and players, we were like, they legitimately want this guy to be their head coach. And I was sort of surprised because Derek said that very plainly in our meeting. So it was like, okay, this is not, and he wasn't just saying it, right? They, they love him. And he's got such, as you guys know, like the pedigree, and he's been around these teams. I asked him a question in our meeting about something, and he was talking about, well, you know, I know what it looks like on a championship team. And it's true. Like he's been around so much that he gets it. He, so Really, anyway, I could talk for a long time about that because I'm a big believer in the chemistry, but also the thing that I found really fascinating from him was he was talking about that the one thing that they're focusing on right now when you step aside from the X's and O's is relationship building. And this sounds kind of maybe like cheesy and, and boring, but I'm really, I think it's fascinating because it's sort of like the psychology and the that part of the sport, right? But he was talking about how on the field is one thing. You've got to have the chemistry there. But he said, we're all talking as a staff, also as a team with these players, just about nurturing and really cultivating the relationships that you have, whether it's the guy beside you in the trenches or if it's on the bus, on the plane, on the whatever. So it sort of seems like there's this reevaluation, but also, and Derek kind of, I don't know, they're sort of cut from the same cloth, you know? Like the way he talked then and followed it up, it was like, when you have like-minded coach and player like that, and I know Derek loved Gruden, but I think there's something that's kind of special about Bisaccia. Lindsay, of course, there were two sides to those emails from John Gruden, and I know you know the D.C. area as well as anyone. Um, has there been much reaction on the Washington side to anything that's happened from the John Gruden email situation, or has that more just been focused on what's gone on here in Las Vegas? I think that there has been, um, I'm sure there's been conversation internally, but there's still, you know, the investigation is still ongoing. So I think that's something that no one is going to openly talk about it. You know what I mean? So there's got to be, I would think there's got to be a high level of concern because if that's another thing that is trickling out, I don't know, you, you know, you don't know what else is out there. I am so sorry. Do you hear children playing with toys? <laughs> um, you're probably like, what the you know, heck is this girl doing? You- like she's. I was going to say, Lindsay, go back to them and tell them Max Scherzer doesn't play with toys while you're on the phone. I saw, oh. your, I saw your pancake tweet. That was brilliant. 
Oh my God! Thank you. He's oh he's uh, he's just such a, a fantastic guy. I'm such a fan of his. Um, but no. So anyway, I don't know. I think that I think I think we definitely haven't seen the end of it. Obviously, you know. So I'm sort of uh, bracing, hoping that there aren't more just really awful things that come out. You know. So, but no, it has it has been very tight lipped because of the investigation. You know, and I think that. I can guarantee that the players and the staff there, you know, the good thing is through this, you are going, you know, with Rivera, right? So to me, here's another thing. To me, I felt like Ron Rivera was the closest thing that that team has had since Joe Gibbs, to Joe Gibbs since Joe Gibbs, you know, like in terms of his temperament and the command that he has over um, his players and how much they love him. So I think if you want a steady hand while there's other stuff going on, he's definitely a great one to have. Lindsay, on Cofield and Company, we don't try to ignore the distractions. We lean into the distractions. <laughs> we do. So, we do. Yeah. Is it well, your kids who are playing in the background? Do you really want to know the situation? Do you really want to well, know? Absolutely, yes. This we, is, we came this, this far. Will, this will I, be the rest of our show. Yes, Deb. Okay, so my daughter's walking over to me right now, and she's got a big mini mouth. Um, and here's the deal. My brother and his family have been staying with us. Mm since early September because their home was damaged in the hurricane in Louisiana. And this started as, you know, and I'm saying this, like, they were like, maybe, you know, we'll come, we'll be here for a week. And it's been two months. And it's been... Oh, my. So so me and my sister-in-law, Amy, have said, like, I want to just put out there probably on social media just some of the conversations we've had to have because... You're trying to mesh two families. So my, my niece is four and my nephew's two. My kids are seven and four. So my husband, and they showed up with their three cats. So my husband's allergic to cats. And oh. it's like, so this, this has been just this amazing, crazy, like, season of our lives that, like, today, as we're kind of figuring out, like, birthday scenarios for one of my, for my daughter, it's like, you realize honestly how special it is because you you would never plan it. Who would ever say, "Hey, come stay with us for two months?" But it is. It's, so anyway, that's what's going on. It is crazy. So there's like chili on our table. There's um, I don't even know how to describe it. We've had several funny moments, um, but that's what that's what's going on. Yeah, I, don't, and, I, uh, I was going to say I don't understand how uh, Bradshaw has a reality show and you don't. What the hell's going on here? Well, yeah, I mean, Bradshaw's. <laughs> Bradshaw is highly entertaining, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that's real life, but this is also a little bit, I mean, it's just, it's very funny. Okay. It is very funny, but it's been very eye-opening, and my husband was just joking. He's like, I raised my hand to say, hey, you need anyone to travel? I'm your guy. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine that. My husband gets up at four every morning for, you know, to go to work, and then, um, so it's been very funny and just entertaining and you know. We uh, we have like 90 seconds left. Uh, Lindsay's already okay. with us. This is uh, we we built up for the last hour teasing something, and it, it puts you in a horrible position because you've got all this noise in the background. But we we were getting into the Romo comments about Giselle Bungeon, and my partner Candy's like, "Listen, we need women to talk about this. It's not our place to talk about this." So I know it's like it's a really serious topic. First of all, did you did you see the comments? So he made a joke about the negotiations, uh, you know, with the guy on the sideline giving away the 600 football, and he said something like, "Hey, maybe the guy's asking for a date with Giselle Bundchen." And a lot of people are worked up about it. They think it was really crude. Well, but why do they think it's crude? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, do you think that it's because they feel like he they feel like Romo shouldn't have said that? 
Um, let right? me, let me, I'll read you something real quick. This yeah, was from it, a column, yeah, Yahoo Sports column, a, a woman who's a columnist with uh, Yahoo Sports, as I delay here trying to find the, the comments. Oh, she said, uh, she said, Giselle Bundjens, uh, Bundjen is an incredibly accomplished woman in many parts of the world. Uh, she's a stalwart environmentalist and activist for numerous other causes, best-selling author, businesswoman, and mother. But in an instant Sunday, she was reduced to a piece of property that could be passed around like a bowl of Halloween candy. Okay. <sighs> yeah. So, listen, I hear that point because I'm, like, I am absolutely a stand-up strong supporter of women, and I do feel, I really feel like we're at a point where we still have to do that for one another, and it's so imperative. It is so imperative. Like, I think that there's still a very far way to go in the sports industry as a woman, you know? But with that, I mean, you know, like my, I think Romo... Certainly, I don't think Romo meant it, you know, in any negative way. I think, he, obviously, he was trying to make light of it. I feel Giselle is really hot. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, I just think, I I do think that, yes, maybe maybe that's one of the things that is taboo. And in hindsight, you know, don't go there because let's be safe and not go there. Because, you know, yeah, if you're reducing her, but I also think, Tony's aware of all that she's done. So I tend to think that that was more in the, the joking fray mm-hmm. and not meaning anything by it. But look, like, you know, there are so many, there, it, there shouldn't be a gray area, but there's a gray area with stuff like that sometimes yep. because it, you know, so I guess that's my two cents. And I certainly am not saying negative things about the column because I understand that. And I'm, look, I hosted a show at the Olympics. It was all about the female athletes and we talked about things I never thought we would talk about on the Peacock, you know, streaming channel, right? And I, my eyes have been open to so much, like, disparity, whether it's gender, money, any of it, like, for women specifically. So, you know, but, but that one, I don't know. It's hard to say why it doesn't get under my skin as much. I think it's because she's, that, that's what her job was, was around her looks also. So that Mm -hmm. makes it slightly different. And do you know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. All right, Lindsay. Well, we appreciate it. You're like on that note. Now I've, well, bury myself in a rabbit hole. So we'll, we'll, we'll make go back sure to eat my chili. We'll make sure to take uh, most of that stuff out of context and uh, really get you in trouble. No, uh, I'm okay. kidding. No, but it's. It, it, I mean, it, we we started discussing it earlier, and it, it's it's tough. There's a line now for locker room humor and and male and female humor, and it, like the line keeps moving closer and closer. And you know, you get to a point, you're like, I, I guess I don't know what's funny anymore and what's offensive. So I get, the biggest thing is, I think we all need to listen to each other and have conversations. Keep it keep it transparent about the thing that is the hard and um, the hard thing to talk about. That's very true. That's very true. Lindsay, so, that was a great spot. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Thanks so much. That was fun. There you go. Lindsay Zarniak from Fox. Let's get teed up for the 4 o'clock hour. World Series is coming up at 5 o'clock. Big 5 at 4. We'll get back into the Raiders and just how real this start is. Uh, analytics. Candy loves the numbers. I like them, too. We'll see what the numbers are saying right now about this Raiders 5-2 and two start. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.